0: Well, it really is good to have you all here today, the day after Christmas. And y'all, yeah, we are so blessed to have uh, such a wonderful group of musicians who they don't just come here to perform. They really do love the Lord. And so I'm awfully I'm awfully grateful for them. Um, I, I, I can't think of very many people anyway who don't enjoy Christmas. But I'd have to say that somebody who enjoys Christmas just about more than anybody I know is my daughter, Janie. Uh, Janie has probably about two or three months ago. Of course, we all know that probably the most exciting time for Christmas for, for kids especially is, is gifts. And so about two or three months ago, Janie started coming out with, uh, she's a big American girl doll fan and they get the, there's actually American girl doll magazines. Are y'all familiar with this stuff? All right. I promise you the only reason why I know this is because I've got a daughter. It's not because of my own interest. And so we get this stuff in the mail and, you know, and so Janie goes through the thing And it's not, y'all, it is the most expensive stuff. Oh, my gosh. And so she circles everything in the magazine, and she comes up to us and says, hey, this is what I would like for Christmas. And so you open it up, and everything is circled. And what they actually have, and this one blew me away, they have a little um, sleigh for the horse that she's already got. But the sleigh, small, is like $129. And she's like, y'all can afford that. And I'm like, oh, you know, if we weren't related... Uh, but what's, what's so amazing, though, is that she knows who to give her Christmas wish list to. Uh, she gives it to me and Emily, and then she gives it to her grandparents. Now, I have noticed that she does not walk up to just any stranger and say, hey, this is what I would like to have for Christmas. Now, why does she not do that? Well, it's because she's smart enough to know that she's going to give it to the people she believes are going to actually come through for her and who are going to make the purchases of all the stuff that she desires, all the stuff that she wants to have. Now, I tell you this story because as we look forward, or as we've just finished with Christmas and we look forward to other things in life, I think there are a lot of us who have a lot of wish lists in our life. And, and we take all the things that we want and all the things that we desire, and we don't necessarily give it to the one who can actually come through for us. We don't actually give that list to the person who can bring satisfaction and fulfillment into our lives. And so what happens is a lot of us end up being disappointed in life. And because we've never approached the one, of course, is Jesus, what we lack in our lives is we lack satisfaction, we lack contentment, and we lack power. And today in our passage of Scripture, what I want us to do is I just want us to look and see what should be on our ultimate wish list. What we should desire to have, and not just what we desire to have, but what God desires for us to have. And you might say, well, what kind of stuff is that? Well, we're going we're gonna to see about three different things that, that uh, each person, God desire, each thing. or Okay, let me start over. What God desires for each of us is going to be found in this list we've got right here. I said this last week, I'm a Richland 2 product, so y'all bear with me. And so we're going to look in Galatians chapter 3. In verses 26 through 29, and I know this is not your typical Christmas passage of scripture, but I think in this passage, what we discover is that there's some things that God desires for his people to have in life. And it's the stuff that will make a difference in our lives. Now, just some background information. Paul wrote this letter to the Galatian people. I'm sure you're all familiar with them. Uh, the Galatian people, was a, that, that uh, region was located in modern-day Turkey, and it was a place where Paul had done some ministry before. And after Paul left, there were some false teachers, people that teaching stuff contrary to what he taught, who said, what you need in your life more than anything is to follow the rules and regulations of the Old Testament, to follow the law. So that's where you're going to find satisfaction. That's where you're going to find a relationship with God. And this irritated Paul because Paul had been teaching them that relationship with God comes through faith. It's not by what we do, it is by the mere grace of God. And so that's why Paul wrote in Galatians 1, 6, and 7, I'm astonished that you're so quickly deserting the one who called you by the grace of Christ and are turning to a different gospel, which is really no gospel at all. Evidently, some people are throwing you into confusion and are trying to pervert the gospel of Christ. So what is it that people need? Uh, what did the, the people that Paul was writing to, what, what should have been on their wish list? What is it that, that God had in mind for them that he wanted to give and what he wants to give us? So we're going to see just three basic things. And the first thing that I want you to see that should be on our wish list and that God wants to provide, first of all, is very simply a relationship with God. You know, on our ultimate wish list, what should be there is a relationship with God. Now, I know for some of you, you're thinking, yeah, I you mean, you're today, today, especially because it's snowing outside. I am speaking to the choir, right? I mean, this is the chosen group right here. So you already know this stuff. But is what God desires is for us to have a relationship with him. If you look in verse number 26, it's really interesting. It says, you are all, and it's speaking of Christians, you are all sons of God through faith in Christ Jesus. Now, what do we really need as Christians? What do we need on Christmas? Not just Christmas, but beyond Christmas. Well, we need a relationship with God. And I know in the United States, this is something that's talking about. God's not foreign to us as Americans. Uh, Pew Research had a poll that came out just a little while ago, said over 90% of Americans believe in God. Over 90% of us. Now, I don't know which God everyone's believing in, but there is a basic concept of God. But I think what really confuses many of us is to to discover that God is the one who desires to have a relationship with us. And that's difficult to comprehend. You know, I I know for many of us, if you're a sports fan or a history fan, you think, man, someday I would just like to be able to meet Michael Jordan. Or I'd like to be able to, to meet you know, Queen Elizabeth II or something like that. But we all know that more than likely none of that stuff is going to happen during our lifetimes. And I'm afraid there are many of us who view God in a, in a similar manner. We, we think of God being so far out there, so far out of our league, that there's no way that we could ever have a relationship with Him. But I want to remind you, if you look in the Bible, what you discover is God is desperately seeking you. And God wants to relate to you. That's why Jesus said in John 3, 16, For God so loved the world, that He gave His only Son, that whoever believes in Him will not perish, but have everlasting life. As a matter of fact, God desires to be in a relationship with you so much that He wants to adopt you into His family. If you look back in verse number 26, it tells us that we can be the sons of God through faith in Christ Jesus. God wants you to be in his family. Now, you might say, why in the world does God want me to be in his family? It's so that he can protect us like a father. You see, if we live our lives outside of a relationship with God, if we're outside of his family, then, guys, we are responsible to pay for the debt of sin that we owe to God. And on our own, none of us can cover that debt. So what do we need? We need to be in God's family so that he can take care of it for us. Now, for those of you who are parents, you I mean, right, all know all about taking care of debts, you know, right? I mean, I know about taking, I'm just in the beginning track of it. I'm beginning to realize we are responsible for our children. We got to pay their stuff. We're starting to start getting closer to college. You begin to think, how am I going to help pay for my, my child's debt, now, it's not like he's necessarily all on his own. Because he's a part of our family, we're going to do whatever we can in order to help him. And, and that is what God desires as well. We have a debt that we owe that comes about because of sin. But if we're in God's family, then we're covered. I read a story, and this is in Reader's Digest. There's a, a couple, a lady named Ruby and her husband, Arnie. And, and for years, they, had, they wanted to have kids, but they, they never had children. And so, what they did finally is they went out they, they adopted a son. Now, as happens you know, fairly often, or at least you hear about it, after they adopted the child, about three months later, she ended up getting pregnant. And she had another boy. And as time went by, the boys were growing up together, they were about eight, nine years old. And she was at a play group, and one of her friends said, Which one is your boy? And she looked at her and said, Well, they both are. And she said, Well, that's not what I meant. She said, I mean, which one's the adopted one? And the, the mother looked at her and she smiled and she said, I forget. Now that's a good answer. And you know that God, God, works the same way with us. You know, whenever we are adopted into God's family, you know, God does. God forgets our sin. As far as the east is from the west, so far as He removed our transgressions from us, God forgets. How we have lived in rebellion to him when we come into his family. He, he looks at us and he treats us as though we never sinned. Now, now, how can we have that type of relationship with God? Some people think they can have it because they're going to do all the rules and regulations. The Bible says hey, you can try as hard as you want. You're never going to follow them perfectly enough. How, how, do we, how, do we, how do we get into God's family then? By faith. By trusting him with our lives. Any other avenue is not going to work. It comes about through Jesus. That's why Jesus said in John 14, 6, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man comes to the Father except through me. And when you have your faith in Jesus, there is an adoption that takes place. Romans one, or excuse me, John one twelve says, As many as received him, he gave the right to become the children of God, even to those who believe in his name. Now, what's on our wish list? A relationship with God. What else is on our wish list? Well, the second thing I want you to see is peace with others. You know, this is the time of, you know, we, we, we sing about peace. Jesus is the prince of peace. God desires for us to have peace with others. In verse 28, it's one of my favorite verses. I underlined it years ago. It says, There is neither Jew nor Greek, slave nor free, male nor female, for you are all one in Christ Jesus. Now when this is you this is a radical statement that was being made right here. Now, today, you know, everybody's equal and all that, but in Paul's day, it was very different. There's a lot of different distinctions that were set up to to classify people, to show that hey, there's one group that's better than another. I mean, you were classified by race, by you know, nationality, by wealth, by education, just all these different ways to be separated. And yet Paul says we are all one. In Christ Jesus and that was that was a revolutionary idea and so what that means for us as believers is that that we are to have unity as believers that we are to work together in other words as believers there, there is not one believer that is better than another believer you know Billy Graham did you know Billy Graham is not better than you in the eyes of God I am not better than you in the eyes of God. We are all equally precious in God's sight. Now, what is the significance of that? The significance of that is there are people all around our world who are dying for peace, who are dying for equality. And in a relationship with Jesus Christ, that is precisely what you receive. You become equal with others. And if you, I mean, that's easy to say, but if you really play that out, guys, that takes a whole lot of pressure off of us. You, you don't have to do anything special to try to be loved more by God. You know, you, it's, it, it's not—it doesn't come down to you know who does he rub shoulders with the most. You know, if, is he hanging out with wealthy people more? Because if he is, that means I like him more. That's not how God looks at us. God loves us equally, and yet, unfortunately, sometimes as Christians we forget this and we show favoritism to others because we want to—we want to have a higher status. And yet James chapter 2 says, My brothers, as believers in our glorious Lord Jesus Christ, don't show favoritism. Suppose a man comes into your meeting wearing a gold ring and fine clothes, and a poor man in shabby clothes also comes in. If you show special attention to the man wearing fine clothes and say, Here's a good seat for you. But you say to the poor man, you stand there. You sit on the floor at my feet. Have you not discriminated among yourselves and become judges with evil thoughts? But if you show favoritism, you sin." Christians, we are on the same team. 1 Corinthians 12 talks about us being as a part of the body of Christ. If you're a believer, you're part of the body of Christ. When the body works together, the body's able to do more. You know, if only one of my legs decides to function and the other one just says, I'm going to take a break this week, am I going to have a hard time you know, getting around? Yeah. I get around better whenever my body works together. The same thing is true for us as believers. We get around better. We, we are more efficient. We work better when we come together as one serving Jesus in his name. And yet many times we try to be Lone Ranger Christians. And I've noticed that whenever we work on our own, we're much weaker than we, when we work together as a team. You know, with all the snow, this like, yeah, oh, it's really pretty outside right now. It's it's, it's snowing nice and good out there, uh, which is good English. But it's it's snowing out there, and uh, what happens is if it snows a whole lot? You yeah, the snow's wet. This is snow, y'all. After church, we gotta have snowball, not with us, but snowball. This is snow snowball stuff. It's wet. Now, if it keeps snowing, you know, because I mean, my goodness, we might just actually have like four inches. But if it keeps snowing, what's gonna happen is those trees are gonna get weighed down by the snow. And, and what happens is they as they get heavier, because our pine trees, if you notice how straight they are, when they when they start getting heavy I and mean, they start leaning over, when I was driving out of my driveway this morning. Seriously, my truck hit the top, the top branch of one of the pine trees was already all the way down and my car just barely slid under it. Now, if it keeps going like that, that snow will break that pine tree. It will bust it. I've, I mean, I've seen it happen a million times. But that, that's because it's, it's standing on its own. But whenever there are other trees that are around each other and the weight of the snow is bending them over, what happens is a lot of times they end up resting on each other and they support each other. And so they have more strength as they are leaning upon each other. Now, if they're all by themselves, what happens is they end up getting snapped. Now, I believe that is a picture that Jesus is showing for us concerning us working together. See, when we come together in Christ, we don't get broken now, we might bend under the pressures of this world. We might get worn out, but whenever we lean on other believers, we don't break. We have strength. When we try to do it by ourselves, it's then that we break. It's then that we end up being bitter and angry because we don't find a lasting peace. Do you know God desires for us to have peace? Peace. God desires for us to have peace in our lives. We're told in Philippians 4, 6 through 7, Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything, with prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your requests to God. And the peace of God, the peace of God, which goes beyond all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. Now, now what is it that we, we need on our Christmas wish list? Relationship with God? Peace with others, and y'all. This is the last thing we'll share with you. Final thing on the ultimate Christmas wish list is an awesome inheritance, a great inheritance. This is the last verse I'll read. Verse twenty nine. It says, "If you belong to Christ, you are Abraham's seed, and heirs according to the promise." Now you can read that verse and think, "What? In the world? Where did that? Where did Abraham come from? Why is he dropping his name in here?" I mean, he's an Old Testament guy. If you know much about Abraham, you know in the Old Testament that Abraham was the guy. I believe back in like Genesis twelve. He told God spoke to Abraham and he said, Abraham, I want you to leave your homeland and I want you to go down to the land of Canaan. And he said, you go there. He said, I'm going to bless you and make a great nation out of you. Abram at this time, it's not like he went to church every Sunday. Yo, this is all new. God speaks to him and you know what he does? He responds. He's obedient. I can't even imagine. He gets up and he goes and he goes to the land of Canaan just like God told him to do. And we're told in Genesis 15:6, Abram believed the Lord and he credited it to him as righteousness. You know, those those who trust in God's leadership for their lives, those who place their faith in Jesus will have righteousness put into their account by God. Now, what you know, what does that mean? That God's going to put righteousness into my account. Basically, it's, it's, it's very similar to, you know, think of it as money. It's like somebody putting a bunch of money in your bank account so that whenever you have a bill that comes up, you're going to be able to pay it. Now, in our world today, there's a lot of people that struggle with debt. Uh, there, I mean there's my guess is most of us have some sort of debt. I mean some of you have de- you know, debt on your car, you have debt on your house, you have debt in other areas after christmas there's probably some of you have debt on your credit card, and what a lot of us like to do is we get our credit cards and we take them out and we go out and we spend and spend and spend and then whenever it comes time to pay that bill we don't have any we don't have any money to pay that bill and it's then that we find ourselves in in a crunch now. The Bible says that we all have a debt that we owe to God. Y'all remember that? We all have a debt. What's that debt? It's sin. Now, some of us live in sin constantly. We have all this credit on sin, but there's coming a day when we're going to have to pay for that. But on our own, we can't. We can't pay it. We need help. We need somebody to stack our account with righteousness. So that whenever we stand before God, we're not responsible for that debt any longer. But instead, it is God who will pay it for us. The Bible tells us in Ephesians 2 that we are by nature we are by nature going to face the wrath of God because of sin. Romans 6.23 says, the wages of sin is death. Now the good news is that we, we can get out of that debt. Because that verse goes on to say, but the free gift of God is eternal life through Christ Jesus our Lord through Christ Jesus, not us. I read a story about some men in World War II, and they were in, in, uh, involved in a battle in France, and one of their friends ended up getting killed in the battle. They were near church. They gathered their friend's body up. They took it to the church. They walked in, and they asked the priest if their friend could be buried in the cemetery, and the priest said, is he Catholic? And he, they said he, he was not Catholic. He said he can't be buried inside the fence. He has to be buried outside the fence. And so they said, well, okay. And they were at least grateful they could bury him somewhere. And so they, they took their friend. They buried him just outside of the cemetery. After the war was over a couple of years later, they came back to pay respects to their friend. And when they came back, they looked for his grave outside the fence. They couldn't find it anywhere. And they're like, well, we know we're not crazy. We know we buried him. What, what is going on? So they, they went inside the church and they found that same priest. And the priest recognized them. And they said, so we, we cannot find our friend anywhere. We, we buried him outside the fence like you told us to. We don't know where he is. And the priest said, you know, he said, after I told you that, he said, you buried your friend, you left. He said, that night I could not sleep. And he said, and I got up in the middle of the night, I went out and I moved that fence. And I moved it so that your friend would be included in the cemetery. Now, let me tell you something about our God. Our God has moved the fence. To include the undeserving, which is all of us, into his kingdom. God has moved the fence so that we can partake of the inheritance that he wants to give to those who follow him. He's moved the fence. In Romans 8, in the verses following, it says, There is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus, because through Christ Jesus, the law, the spirit of life set me free. From the law of sin and death. For what the law was powerless to do. And that it was weakened by the sinful nature. God did by sending his own son. In the likeness of sinful man. To be a sin offering. And so he condemned sin and sinful man. In order that the righteous requirements of the law. Might be fully met in us. Who do not live according to the sinful nature. But according to the spirit. But if Christ is in you. Your body is dead. Because of sin. Yet your spirit is alive because of righteousness and if the spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead is living in you he who raised Christ from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies through his spirit who lives in you guys god has filled up our bank account because of his grace and love towards us that we might live forever with him in heaven now what what is it that we want for christmas and beyond Let me tell you, not not what we want, but what we need. We need a relationship with God. We need to know Him. We need peace with others. And then we need an awesome inheritance. The question is, do you have that stuff? Do you have it? If you don't, then it's time to call out to God and say, Lord, I want to be in your family. Jesus, I am a sinner, and I I ask and plead for your forgiveness, and I trust that you will give it, and I give my life to you. What I'd like for us to do, we'll just close right here. If you bow your head and close your eyes, maybe there's some of you and you've never made that decision for Christ in your life before. Hey, y'all, use this time today. I can't think of a better time the day after Christmas. I say, Jesus, I want to be in your family, because he desires relationship with you. And if you pray that prayer something like it, you can take your bulletin open it up. And we have a little section you can fill out on the right side and you can tear that out. Put that in the offering basket and we can get you information in in the mail about growing in a walk with Christ. Now, I also know there are others of you who already have a personal relationship with Jesus. But if you're honest, you'd have to say that over time you've drifted from him. That over time, your priorities in life have moved from what does God desire to what do I want? Now, if you're seeking blessing and communion with God, you have to take Jesus' words to heart in Matthew 6.33, where Jesus said, Seek ye first the kingdom of God and His righteousness, and all these things shall be added to you. What is it that you are seeking first in your life? the monies, the pleasure, the titles, the status. It could be today is the time for you to just simply talk to God and say, Lord Jesus, today I want to recommit myself to seeking You first. To seeking You first every morning in my prayer life. To seeking You first by taking the Bible and and begin the process of, of reading it. To seek you first by making it part of my life. To worship you in the church. And to be a part of a small group. Lord, I want to seek you first. Jesus, thank you for this day. Thank you that in the midst of the snow. Yeah, that you've allowed us to come together. To look at your word. And Lord, my desire is that, now, that we'll just look at it. But Lord, that we'll also apply it. Christ's name I pray.